Good evening. Good evening. <clears throat> How You're are muted. you? Oh, I'm muted. Mm. That's the bit. Okay, wait a minute. Uh, I, I, it shows that you're still muted. Can yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying something? to. I'm trying to unmute it right oh. now. Uh, You're muted. I'm, I'm still muted. Can Can you hear me? No, we can hear you now. Okay, great. The, probably the best talk is to be muted. <laughs> That's the whole talk of silence. <laughs> That's the real talk. Nothing else. <laughs> That's the real beautiful talk. I love it. Listen to the ocean. Just be muted. Shut up. <laughs> it's funny. Son Roshi used to say, just shut up. Even if nobody was talking in the Zendo, he could hear our unspoken thoughts. Um, anyway, what I'm, the, the name of the talk tonight is, and I love this, it's a very famous Buddhist saying, and there's even a book that I actually found about it, it's called, and it's really a startling and an excellent book, and it's called, Throw Yourself Into the House of the Buddha. Now that's a very famous saying, and the book is very fierce, which brings me back to my early days of practice, and it stirred up a lot of thoughts and memories and questions. And and we'll just let that phrase, throw yourself in, don't tiptoe in, <laughs> don't like the ocean, don't check to see if the water is right, and tiptoe in and run back again. Well, maybe I'll jump in the waves, maybe not. Throw yourself in, bold action. That's Mother Rinzai way. Just give yourself to something totally no looking back, no looking forward. Just that's that's what it means. Throw yourself into the house of the Buddha. And you know, it's interesting because a lot of the existential philosophers used to say we are thrown in thrown into life. Not that not that we're throwing ourselves, but that we're just thrown. I, I always was fascinated with that statement. Like leaves, we're thrown. We don't you know we here we are and we're blown around by life and. I always thought that was extremely moving to me. And then this other saying is different. Throw yourself. You're in charge here. You have a decision to make. They're talking about aspiration. Throw yourself in. And, of course, immediately when you hear that phrase, many thoughts, images, fantasies come up. Well, where is the house of the Buddha? What is that? We forget it's just a phrase. Where is the house of the Buddha? What is it? Did I throw myself fully in? Is one leg out the door? Uh, you know, what, what? what is it? What is, I love that. that, that you know, there are so many koans embedded in, in every one of these statements and in everything in life, actually, if we just take it as a koan. We're not just, we're not just absorbing some image that's being created by the writer or that we might have in our mind in response. We're actually... Living with it, we're and when I said that we're that we're working with it, we're not thinking about it, but we are actually experiencing it fully for ourselves, for ourselves. We're sifting through whatever's coming in, so that we don't make some kind of automatic response to some fantasy, like throw yourself in, you know, convert or now you're this, now you're that, and you've got to do everything that's embedded. Every single religion has that. I think, including Zen, because he was going on in the book about day and night, practice, practice, work, work, don't waste a minute. This, this, there's that kind of stream. There's a stream like that. 
And when I was reading him again, this guy who's act, uh, he um, he was translated a very famous Roshi, and it reminded me of a wonderful koan that if you throw yourself off the top of a hundred foot pole, <laughs> that's the koan. Also, I thought, oh, here they are, they're little friends. These two, throw yourself off. If you're well, it means really if you're sitting on the top of a hundred foot pole, jump, well, jump off. And that, and when you, that's thought of, that, that phrase is thought of in Zen parlance. It means when you get to a high place in your meditation, you know, into a deep kind of samadhi, like we get to in session and so forth, or if you're sitting a lot, um, come, come back from the peak into the world and, and bring your realization with you into the world that's defiled so-called. I don't believe the world is defiled. I mean, I don't buy that at all. Maybe our mind is defiled. Maybe the way we're looking at things through the filter of, oh, I'm rejecting this. I'm better than that. This isn't good. That's bad. But anyway, when you come off the top of that pole, it's different. For me, it's more about that. That's true. We do have to take whatever we realize, even if it's even 15 minutes, Zazen. That's fine, too. We take it back into our life. to And it's it's unified if and if it isn't unified with our life well then i don't know what we're doing you know it's just sort of getting high but but jump off this pole there's another aspect to that jump off the pole is like jump into the unknown we don't know what's going to happen if we jump we're, we're at the highest point possible and also throw yourself into the house of the buddha throw yourself into the unknown, but the house of the Buddha, what is that? In a way, you would say, well, it's, it's the Zendo. There, there it is, the house of the Buddha. Everybody's sitting, all the wonderful people in the house of the Buddha. And people take it to mean you throw yourself into practice, including this person. But I would say that life itself is the house of the Buddha. There's nowhere you can go that you're not in the house of the Buddha. Nowhere. Nothing is outside it. You don't have to go somewhere. You don't have to be a member. You don't have to do everything they tell you you have to do. This guy is going, sit, sit, sit. If you're wasting your time, how can... And there is that aspect. Don't waste your valuable life. But it can be used to limit us and constrict us and put us into a... I'm not good enough. I didn't sit enough. I didn't learn enough. I'm I'm not holy enough. I'm not enlightened enough. And that's all really very dangerous because it takes you away from the house of the Buddha. It's all about you. Oh, did I sit enough? Oh, did I do this enough? Oh, did I, you know, it's like, we have the, and that itself takes us away from, you could call the enlightenment or God or whatever words you want to use. Because the house of the Buddha is everywhere. It's your life. And when you're saying, throw yourself into your life, into your life, not her life, my life, your life, so you have a right to live your life and throw yourself into your life and experience it. Throw yourself into your experience. Isn't that beautiful? To me, that is so beautiful. And to me, that's very precious guidance. Throw yourself into your experience. Usually we're comparing, well, did I do it as well as this one? Or do you agree with me? Do you think the same? Or am I crazy? I'm on my own. But that's not the same way. The Zen way really honors each person's unique response and 
and experience with life and who they are and what their journey is. So and it also so the question of jumping off the pole, which is very similar to throwing yourself into the, into your own life, is what stops us from doing that? You would think it would be natural and inevitable, you know, but there's this question, I'm scared to jump off this pole. I'm scared to jump into my life. It's unknown. I don't know what's going to happen next. I have to figure out all the, make myself safe, figure out all the pieces. And many practices are for that purpose exactly, to, to navigate, to tell you all the pieces. Do this, do that, do the other thing. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. It can be very good if you don't get attached to it and make your whole life about that. Because those are just steps. Those are just steps. And life happens the way it happens. And when we really throw ourselves into the house of the Buddha, we're available to what, to whatever comes to us, whatever happens. We harmonize with it. We're one with it. We greet it. And that is enlightenment. <laughs> we th- I, I'm, I have no right to say it, but I'm saying it. Usually we don't say these things, but I think it's important to say it because we make pictures. Oh, I have to be really all the time in, in this great state. No, you, no, you don't. There's a beautiful koan. Well, what is the Buddha? Ordinary mind. Ordinary mind. Meaning our every moment, day life, is the Buddha, is clarity, is harmony. And and we just need to harmonize with whatever comes to us. Receive it. Be one with it. Not hate it. Not reject it. Not judge it. So much judgment, 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 judgment. So, of course, like this man had a whole bunch of things. This was a very great Roshi he was talking about, which is make your great vows, discipline yourself. There's nothing else worth doing except sitting, 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 and all of that. And I really got caught in that for many years and always felt tremendously inadequate. I'd never sat enough. Can it ever be enough? Can it ever be enough? Can you ever be good enough or, or right enough? or That's that's not true Kensho. That's not true enlightenment. I, Son Roshi wasn't like that. He played with life. He had a wonderful time. And he played with... Well, he went to Central Park at night and he would wander and talk to people he met in the park. He played with whomever he met and he, he affected them by his joy and by his harmonizing and becoming one with everything, really. He really was able to do that. You know... There's also a, 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 a saying from, from, from the Torah, which is, you are the temple of the living God. How beautiful is that? I love that so much. And that's the same thing as the house of the Buddha. What's the difference, right? You are the temple of the li- You are the temple. You are the alive one. You're, you, you are the temple. <laughs> your heart is the temple. And, and, and occupy it. Throw yourself into your heart. Throw yourself into the true temple. Don't get caught by outside. I mean, certainly enjoy them. Use, I love, you know, enjoy it. It's, thank God for it. It's good for it. But don't replace your own inner life with something on the outside like that. You know, there's another very, so when we do that, you know, what I, I'm always judging ourselves and never doing quite enough or doing right enough or, being able to jump off the pole, it's because we're clinging to an image of how of me, me, me. Am I good enough? Can I do it? Could I handle it? 
If I jump, am I going to get hurt? Where am I going to land? All those things about life. But what are we, what are we really worried about? Ourself, ourselves. It's, it's all about me, me, me. Am, am I a good Zen student? Am I a good this, a good whatever it is? Am I following what everybody else does? And it's all about me, me, me. And true enlightenment is to let go of that image of me, me, me. We create some image of ourselves, how we're supposed to be, and then we will do everything to protect something that's not even real. It's just an image. It's an image. It's a picture. And and even if we f- fulfill everything the image wants, we won't be happy because it's only an image. It's not true life. Or, it, or fulfill a part in a story, but it's a story about our lives. It's not our life itself. When you jump off the pole, you're going to hit life itself, however it comes to you. And since you are life also, of course you can, you can do it. You can interact with it. Life will show you what the next step is. You'll see it because there it will be. If you stop navigating it and worry about it, there it is. I have a beautiful, beautiful story, um, a beautiful Zen story, which I think we all did together, actually, in our Zen plaything with Haku and Zenji. I think this really hits the spot in speaking about someone who jumped off the, the 100-foot pole. So it's a true story, too. He was a monk. And highly, highly revered. I said master, a monk. He, in those days, he calls himself a monk. Highly revered by the whole community. He lived a simple, pure life. And there he was. And they, the whole community revered him. They brought him food and everything else. And there was a, li- a young woman in town who got pregnant by a young man. And he ran away. He, didn't, you know, he, he couldn't afford it. He didn't want to be the father of the baby. He ran away. And she had the baby... So she she needed to take care of the baby. She couldn't do it. So she told the whole town that Hakuman was the father of the baby. It's a true story. So all their praise suddenly turned to blame. So when Hakuman heard that, what was his reaction? Is that so? He, they said, you're the baby. You're the father's baby. He said, is that so? And then all the praise turned to blame. They were blaming him. And what was his reaction? Oh, is that so? So she brought him the baby then to give him the baby to take care of. And his reaction is, is that so? And he reached out his arms and he took the baby. And he raised the baby. And he's raising the baby. And in about two years, the, the real father comes back. He wants to be the father. He wants to see the baby. He got a good job, whatever. And he says, he declares to the whole town, I'm really the father of this baby. And the whole town, all the, the blame the, turned to praise. They began to praise Hakuin again. See how the conditions keep shifting and shifting. And his reaction to all the praise was, oh, is that so? Is that so? He didn't reject it. He didn't accept it. He, he, and, and then the girl came to him and said, I want the baby back that he cared for. And this is a beautiful story, really. And he said, is that so? And he gave the baby back. Lovingly, all very lovingly. Not fighting anything that came to him. He took it. He said, Boy, is that an enlightened guy. Is that, that's like the epitome of it. Being there with whatever happened, not fighting it, not, oh, I'm not the father, I'm going to sue you. Ugh, give me a break. All that stuff, no more. No, no, no. He was just so harmonious with life and one with life. 
he took care of the baby when he came to him to take care of something, and then he gave it back when fully, because we have to do that in life. We have to take when something comes and return it. If the love is taken away, very painful for most of us, and for him too, but it was different for him because he so truly had jumped off the pole and knew that he wasn't clinging to anything and he was just like a part of life and then the and when all the then all the town began to praise him again it didn't really mean that much to him all that praise he said thank is that so thank you because he knew praise turns to blame love, you know a gift has to be returned he was in complete harmony with whatever came to him and he was in the house. That is being in the house of the Buddha. <laughs> he was in the house of the Buddha in his life, just receiving whatever we, he got and, and experiencing it and acknowledging it, but not getting caught in it. There's a big difference. See, I think when you're in the house of the Buddha, the point is you don't get trapped expecting this and expecting that and clinging to what comes and refusing to give back what has to be returned. You just don't get trapped in that because you see, you see that that's exactly what life is. That's just what's, it's going to happen one way or another. As I say, expect the unexpected, right? Instead of getting so upset when it happens, well, that's, it's going to happen. And one day, you know, things that we we refuse to accept accepted or not, but it's very beautiful. When I was sitting with Kudaroshi many years ago, he said, ah, finally this person was with him, a monk. He said, he's a good monk, finally, ripe. You know why? He doesn't complain about anything. <laughs> he was so, doesn't complain. And, and his teaching was just take it. Take life. Be with it. And experience doesn't mean to, to suppress the feeling, but experience every experience that comes. The feeling of, oh, I have a beautiful baby to take care of. How wonderful. Experience that. Now I have to return this beautiful gift. So you experience that. Nobody said it's, it's easy, but it is, it's easier if you just don't complain and you really are willing to experience whatever is brought into the house of the Buddha. It's not... If you just say, if you see that that's what's going to be anyway, why would you fight it? Or we become very surprised and very horrified by things because deep down in our heart, we we have we're not willing to see the whole picture. So when we sit in zazen, we see a lot. We see the whole picture. We see how life flows. We see what comes. We see what goes. It's and eventually we accept it. Be acceptable. Throw yourself into reality. That's what it means, the house of the Buddha. Throw you and, and stop fighting it off or opposing it and hating it or hating yourself for not living up to some image you have. Because, you know, all the praise that Hakuin that God, he got so much praise. The minute one thing happened that wasn't right, it turned to blame, right? There's a saying with Sosan, praise and blame, away with it once and for all. If you get attached to being praised and you don't like being blamed, that's just pain for you. It's going to happen. It has to happen because that's the nature of samsara. We're in the house of the Buddha. So when you throw yourself into that, you say, oh, I'm not 
this is and it's okay. It, be, it can can become what it can become fine, and you can love it, and you can enjoy every experience, and you can say, "Wow, isn't this amazing? Isn't this wonderful? I'm getting to experience this." It, because a lot of the pain in our experience comes from fighting it and being unwilling to to take it, to experience it, to resist it. We we want people to behave a certain way to us. So, but Hakuin didn't. He just did what he what was what was asked of him, without the praise and the blame. Isn't that? I mean, can you just imagine how beautiful to live that way, not only for yourself but for others too? What could be more wonderful? That to me, you know, when we, some people think of somebody the other day said they were striving for enlightenment. They, what they were striving for was to feel happy all the time. I don't think, and to be in this the top of the hundred foot pole. And never leave, just clinging. It's a kind of a fixed position to cling to a state. It's like being on a drug, basically. It's just like being, but, but in, in Jen, you've got to jump off the pole and enter, and enter the house of the Buddha, enter life, which is actually pre- pre- presenting all kinds of situations. Beautiful ones, shocking ones, painful ones. Somebody said to me the other day, a little child, the friend of one of my grandchildren. I don't like you anymore. I said, really? I said, really? Why? You know, I was like, I was, I was just, did I do something to hurt your feelings? Did I do something? No, you're too old for me. <laughs> he was just like a little six-year-old little child. And I said, oh, okay. You know, I wasn't hurt at all by it. It made me laugh. I said, he said, you are pretty old, aren't you? I said, I'm getting there. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm getting there. It was just, it became like a little game for me. You know, now, now <laughs> my daughter was horrified. How could you have said that? I said, so what? So what? You know, she, she was upset, but I'm not, I said, nothing wrong with getting old. Here it's, I'm getting older. It's happening. Okay. That's, and that's when I thought of the Hakuin. What happened with, I thought of Hakuin at that moment, actually. Am I going to hate because I'm getting old? I said, I'm lucky. I said to the little boy, I'm lucky I'm getting older, aren't I? It's better than not getting older. <laughs> We're lucky if we get older. <laughs> and he said, that's a silly answer. <laughs> so yeah. it was, it was a, actually, he was, my Zen, my, he was my Zen master at that moment. I was enjoying the dialogue very much. Children are the, I'm telling you, they're the best teachers. You can't do better than kids. The things they say, what they see, I love it. I just, I enjoyed it, but my daughter was so distressed by it. She said, you're not getting older. I said, of course I am, and what's wrong with that? And, you know, it's like she refused, she didn't want to see, she, uh, she doesn't want to see me getting older. I want, she wants me to be young forever and be here forever. And it was so interesting. That's like a Zen exchange. How is that different from those little mandos in the books? It's like a mando, right? It's like, it's normal that she'd feel that way, but you know, she's, I wish that she would accept it more because she's only setting herself up for suffering. And we, we all have, that's up to each one of us. To enter. I couldn't say to her, you've got to enter the house of the Buddha. <laughs> I couldn't say <laughs> I certainly couldn't say that to her. But, but um, I was thinking about it, you know, and, and it's really a wonderful thing to appreciate what might look like a difficult situation. And, and it's, in some ways it is, but then it's also yes, I'm getting older. That I'm, I'm like like the like the tree outside. 
Some trees grow young, they, some get older, so what? That's good, that's fine. And, and that goes, and that, these days we're all having so many really scary and weird experiences. Well, that's part of the house of the Buddha, the more we accept them. Like Haku, he's a very good role model, I think, Hakuin, of the way he handled the, you know, he, you know, being in the world up there, but he's in the world and taking care of that baby, receiving it, giving it back, never mad at the people in town. He kind of knew that there's high tide and low tide. He was ready for it. He was accepting it. And then he, not only did he not suffer, I think, but then he was able to inspire and make everybody feel okay. Look, and he took care of that baby for two years for that little girl. That was nice. And he must have enjoyed it greatly. It was good for the baby. So, you know, underneath this point of view is that everything happens by divine design. There's a bigger harmony that brings things and takes things. And we're not privy to really understand it or to guide it, but it happens by itself. And, and he just surrendered to that. He trusted it. This, there, you know, you can see it at moments in your life very clearly. Oh my goodness, how could this have happened? This is a, by divine design. It's way more than what I could have figured out or like that, right? So I think everything goes to teach us that. To, so that, that's what I wanted to say, and we'll end the talk today with a very, a little quote by Rinzai, which is, when I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm tired, I sleep. Fools laugh at me, but the wise understand. When the most, one of the most enlightened teachers of all Rinzai, and that they said, "What does it mean to be enlightened?" And that's what he said: "When I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm tired, I sleep." Isn't that beautiful? Fools laugh at me because they want something. But it's a, it's a great gift and a miracle to be able to eat when you're hungry and sleep when you're tired and just to be alive and part of this. That's what he's saying, this world itself, just the way it is. What a gift and how wonderful. And stop wanting it to be something else. <laughs> if you just let it be what it is, you're going to enjoy it. You'll have a wonderful time. So I, I think that's a wonderful way to end before the holiday season. Just let it don't expect anything else but whatever comes and enjoy every moment of it